If you want to open up your pew Bibles to page 52, we'll go through the first reading, Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 to 8. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. The second reading is from 1 Peter chapter 1, 17 to 21, on page 1047. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Do you want to be free? Do you want to be free? In our society, I think freedom is seen as one of the highest goods. Freedom is valued almost above all else. Freedom to be whoever we want to be. Do whatever we want to do. No one can tell us how to live our life and make choices. Freedom. And I think this emphasis on freedom has brought a lot of good to our society. But what we're going to see tonight is according to the Bible, that's not true freedom. According to God, freedom is found at the cross of Jesus Christ. That's where true freedom is found. That's where we're freed from our deepest need. We're in a series at the moment on the cross of Jesus. It's called atonement at one moment. Sorry, it's called at one moment, standing in for atonement. And we're saying at that one moment when Jesus died on a cross, it changed history. At that one moment, we've seen Jesus was a substitute for us dying in our place. We've seen that at that one moment, Jesus was taking the penalty for our sin and bearing God's anger for our sin. We've seen that at that moment, Jesus was a sacrifice to cleanse us. These are all things we've seen the last few weeks. And tonight, what we're going to see is that Jesus died to set us free. He died to set us free. And the Bible talks about this. The Bible talks about Jesus' death being a ransom for us. Jesus' death being to redeem us, to deliver us, to free us, to rescue us. And not just that, but Jesus' death for us 
was to reconcile us, to make us part of God's people, part of God's family. Jesus died to redeem us and to reconcile us. We were redeemed for a relationship. We were redeemed for a relationship. So I've got three questions tonight that we're going to ask ourselves. The first question is, what have we been freed from? The second question is, what was the price of our freedom? And the third question is, what have we been freed for? Let's look at the first question. What have we been freed from? Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Here we go. Okay. You might want to turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 6, our first reading. Exodus chapter 6. If you're familiar with the Bible at all, you've probably heard the story of the Exodus. God's people, the Israelites, were in slavery in Egypt. They were being oppressed. They were burdened. They're in bondage. And yet God remembered them and he promised to rescue them. He promised to redeem them. Look in your Bibles, Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. Here's what it says. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. God says to them, I'm going to free you. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to deliver you out of slavery. And if you know the story of the Exodus, that's what God did. He redeemed his people, rescued them out of Egypt. Now, that story of the Exodus points towards the cross, points us towards what Jesus did on the cross. You see, what we learn when we look at the cross is that without Jesus, we are slaves. We're slaves. We don't really think about the idea of being a slave much in Australia. The closest we have to slavery in Australia is you know, maybe someone who's in prison. Uh, for those of you who have mortgages, you're slave to your mortgage. Uh, for those of you like me who are addicted to coffee, yeah, that's kind of like slavery. We don't really have much, much language really to describe slavery in our country. But the Bible talks about us as slaves. The Bible says that we are slaves to sin. Slaves to sin. Up on the screen, Adelaide's going to put up John chapter 8, verse 34. And you might remember Jesus saying this. Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. We were made to serve God. We were made for God to be our master, our ruler. But instead, we've rebelled against God, rejected him. We've chosen to live for other masters, maybe ourself. Maybe we've made our career our master. Maybe we've made our family our master. Maybe we've made earning money our master. The problem is none of those are good masters. None of those are good masters. Following them leads to slavery. It leads to things like insane addiction to work. Deep insecurity, severe anxiety, resentment, envy. No, they're not good masters at all. 
And you can tell that we're slaves to sin because if, if you've been a Christian for a while, even just for a little while, you know how hard it is sometimes not to sin. How hard it is not to be prideful. How hard it is not to be lustful. How hard it is not to be, to be greedy. Whatever it is, we are addicted, addicted, captive to our compulsive sinful actions. Every part of us is tainted by sin. Our emotions, our desires, our, our values. Not that we can't do anything good, but that anything we do is spiritually bankrupt before God. We have so rebelled and turned from following him. It's a slavery. And our sin has piled up like a debt, a debt we are enslaved to. I was reading an article this week in the ABC about a man who, like many Australians, has too much credit card debt. This man had $50,000 on his credit card, so much so that half of his income each week had to go towards meeting the minimum repayments. The slavery. Now just imagine our sin like a debt towards God. We gossip, add that onto our account, a debt. We brag, add that onto our account, a debt. We're selfish, add that onto our account, a debt. That debt has been piling up, piling up, piling up. And you know what? We can't repay it. I can't repay it. I can't pay your debt because I've got a debt myself. We're helpless. In slavery, in bondage. Not just that, we're slaves to death. Slaves to death. The curse of sin is death. We can't avoid it. No matter how many vitamins we take, no matter how many doctors we visit, we can't avoid it. We're we're in slavery to death. We're also in bondage to Satan. Satan who holds the power of death. Up on the screen is Hebrews chapter 2. It says this, since the children have flesh and blood, Jesus too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. That's what Satan has done. He's held us in slavery by the fear of death. And we're under God's judgment for our sin. It's slavery. Slavery to sin. And in response to us being slaves, we can't can't be proud. There's only room for humility. All we can do is stick up our hands and go, I need a redeemer. I need to be freed. I need to be ransomed. I need to be rescued. Somebody help me. The good news of the cross is you can be free. You can be free. Let's look at our second question. What is the price of our freedom? What is the price of our freedom? If you want to buy someone from slavery to free them, you have to pay a price. If I want to free you from your slavery to your mortgage, if you've got a mortgage, I have to pay a price to free you from that. 
You can't just walk out of it. Sorry. And the price for us to be freed from our slavery to sin is huge. It's death. It's death. That's the punishment that we must pay, that God demands. If you find that shocking, can I encourage you to listen to some of the talks previously from this series because what you'll see is that the punishment truly fits the crime. The judgment we deserve is death. But Jesus paid our ransom. Jesus paid the price you and I deserve to pay. Look up on the screen, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Jesus said this about himself. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus said about himself, he was coming to be a ransom. When he died on a cross, he was paying the price for your sin and my sin, dying in our place, taking the punishment so we could be forgiven. He was paying the ransom and he was the ransom. He died for us to wash us clean, to free us from slavery. We are ransomed to the cross. 1 Peter chapter 1, also up on the screen. You might remember it as our second Bible reading. Uh, Peter says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. I looked up the price of gold yesterday. It's pretty expensive. Pretty expensive. Silver's pretty valuable too. And yet the price that we were bought with at the cross is far more valuable than that. It was the precious blood of Jesus. Do you realize how costly it was for you to be rescued? How much it cost God for you to be ransomed, redeemed from sin? It cost him his son. And so Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, it's also up on the screen, he says, In Jesus we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. That's our guarantee. If we trust Jesus, we are redeemed because of his blood. Our sins are forgiven. Our debt has been paid. He has paid the ransom. When I was in early primary school, uh, my family and I, we went away uh, to a resort in Fiji. And uh, I have fond memories of this trip, particularly because um, my parents, I was just old enough that they let me kind of walk around the resort a little bit myself and hang out with my little brother. Uh, You know, they were relaxing by the pool, probably watching the other siblings, and we walked around. And we realised we could go up to any of the bars or the restaurants and charge stuff to our room. It's like free food. It was pretty good. I can tell you, I don't think I've ever eaten so many magnums in one week as that time at that resort, we had, a, we had a whole great week just feasting on food, buying Coke, all kinds of stuff, drinks. It was brilliant until my dad went to check us out of the resort. 
And he discovered that there were like 100 magnums <laughs> and cornettos. And my, my dad knew I couldn't pay that debt. I couldn't pay that. I was nine years old. He paid it. I contributed nothing. And he paid it all. When Jesus died for you to ransom you, to redeem you, you contributed nothing. There was nothing you could offer. Nothing. But he paid it all. And you've not just been freed from the penalty of sin. You know, you've been freed from the power of sin. The power of sin. If you're a Christian in this room, God's Holy Spirit lives in you. And that means you truly can say no to sin. You truly can live for him. God's powerful spirit is in you. The power of sin has been broken over your life. Not that you don't sin anymore. We still sin. We're still a sinful people living in a sinful world. But sin no longer has a power over us because we have God's spirit in us, enabling us to resist him and live for him. So let me ask you, have you received God's ransom? Have you received God's ransom? I'm not asking you, uh, do you go to church? I'm not asking you, are you a good person? I'm asking, have you really trusted God's ransom, the blood of Jesus shed for you to free you from slavery to sin? Because if you haven't received it, it is not too late. Trust him. Turn to him. Be forgiven. Receive God's ransom. Our first question was, what have we been freed from? Slavery to sin. Our second question, what was the price of our freedom? The precious blood of Jesus. Our last question, what have we been freed for? What have we been freed for? We don't think about this question very often. We always think about what we've been freed from, but not very often do we think about what have we been freed for? Look in your Bibles, Exodus 6. Let's read from verse 6 again. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I'll bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I'll free you from being slaves to them. And I'll redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you'll know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. God freed them for a relationship. He redeemed them for a relationship with him. He says, then you'll know that I will be your God. You will be my people. He gave them his commands after he redeemed them. They worshipped him and sung to him. They were ransomed, redeemed for relationship. For relationship. And that's what we see at the cross. Without the cross, the Bible says that we're enemies with God. Enemies with God. You know when you have a, a fight with someone or a conflict and there is Therefore, something separating you from that person. There's something in between you and that person. You know, a disagreement, a conflict. And it's, until that's dealt with, until there's forgiveness, until there's resolution, there is a gap between you and that person. 
In some of this room, maybe you've had that kind of tension for years, a relationship where you haven't been talking for years. That's what it is between us and God, enemies, because of our sin. It's so great. We're enemies with God. That hostility is so big. But because Jesus paid our debt, because we are forgiven of our sins in him, we can be reconciled. We can be brought into a relationship with Jesus. Bible has a beautiful way of talking about this. Adoption. We have gone from slaves to sons. Slaves to sin. To sons and daughters of the king. Redeemed for a relationship. But it's also a relationship where we're to serve him. He's our master. When you uh, go to a store and you buy something, let's say you go to JB Hi-Fi, you see a nice pair of headphones, you buy the headphones, you pay for it with your money, and what do you get? You get a receipt, a proof of purchase. And so, you know, there's always a security guard at JB Hi-Fi that make you look in your bags. Always a little bit annoying, but you can show that proof of purchase. I bought this. This is mine. I can do with it whatever I want. I can play whatever kind of horrible music I want. These are my headphones. Think about that verse. Think about that and look at this verse on the screen, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. So honor God with your bodies. You're not your own. You were bought You were bought by God. He redeemed you, reconciled you, bought you out of slavery. And you want to know what his proof of purchase is? You want to know what his receipt is? It's the cross, the precious blood of Jesus shed for you. That's his proof of purchase. That's his receipt. You belong to him. I belong to him. And it's because he owns us. We're to honor him with our bodies. He's our master, our ruler. We're to live for him, obey him in his word. Not to pay God back. We can never pay God back for our debts. Not to pay him back. But out of thankfulness. Out of joy. Has anyone seen the movie Shawshank Redemption? Like a bunch of years, one of the best movies ever made. I found out a few years ago Christine hadn't seen it and they very quickly solved that and fixed that problem. Uh, Beautiful movie. Uh, Up on the screen you'll see one of my favourite characters. His name is Brooks. Uh, You may remember Brooks from Shawshank Redemption. He was in prison for 50 years and Brooks was set free. The problem was Brooks had real trouble adjusting to life outside of prison. He often acted like he was a prisoner again. He'd wake up in the middle of the night and forget where he was. He'd ask for permission to go to the toilet. The habits and ways of life in prison stuck with him. There were even times when he wished he was back in prison. Some of us, a bit like Brooks as Christians, we've been freed from sin rescued, and yet we walk right back into that jail cell. We walk right back in, 
like we were still slaves, still living in sin, still disobeying him. And yet the Apostle Paul says in Romans 6, he says so clearly, you're dead to sin. Sin is no longer your master. Don't live for that master anymore. Live for Jesus. Live for righteousness. Don't walk back into that jail cell. You've been freed, rescued, ransomed, redeemed for a relationship where you serve him. Now, maybe you're thinking, and how does that, how's that freedom? How's that freedom? You talk about freedom at the beginning of the sermon, and now you're talking about obeying God. That does not sound like freedom to me. Well, I think that's because often in our society, we think about freedom as having no limits on us, no restraints, you know, able to do whatever we want, totally free. But if you think about it, that idea of freedom is really almost impossible. There are things we don't want people to be free to do in our society, aren't they? We don't want people to be free to do whatever they want in our society, do we? Actually, sometimes good restraints, good limits that we need to place in ourselves. If, if you want to be great in your career, you need to go to work. If you want to be a, a great husband or wife, for those of you who are married, you, you need to be faithful. That's a constraint, but it's a good constraint. So the question isn't, oh, can we, can we find somewhere where there's no constraints, where there's no limits? The question is, everyone's going to have a master, but is that master going to place good constraints on us for our good or bad constraints on us that will crush us? Everyone's going to have a master. And the constraints God puts on us, he calls us to follow him, to live for him, to obey him, but it's, he's a great master. He made us. He loves us. What he tells us to do in his word is for our good. For our good. It was a life we were meant to live. I think I've used before the illustration of a fish in a fish tank. Fish is sitting in the fish tank, looking at the glass in the fish tank and saying, gee, this glass is really constraining my freedom. I need to get out of here. I want to be free. And so he jumps out, flops onto the carpet in the middle of the living room and very quickly realises the constraints of that fish tank meant he could swim and live. God is a good master. He's a great God to serve. Following him is the way we were created to live. We were slaves to sin and we've been redeemed for a relationship. Don't walk back into that jail cell. Don't walk back into that jail cell. I'll close with a story of a slave at an auction. As the auction began, there was a slave there and people started placing bets on this slave. But the slave began to say quite stubbornly, I will not work. I will not work. People started to place more and more bets on him. The bets increased and the slave said, I will not work. I will not work. More and more bets were placed. And finally, someone paid such a high price that that slave was bought by its new owner, his new owner. 
the new owner takes the slave into his car and drives to his property. The slave looks out the window and sees a beautiful cottage, a cottage by the sea. The slave thinks to himself, gee, wouldn't it be great to be free and live in a cottage like that? That'd be wonderful. They get closer to the cottage and the slave asks his new owner, who lives there? And the owner says to him, well, that's, that's your new home. Come on in, have a look around. The slave says, I told you, I won't work. I will not work. And the slave master turns to the slave with a smile on his face and says, you don't have to work anymore. Not for me, not for anyone. I bought you to set you free. slave pauses and contemplates this, contemplates that he has been bought to be free. And what does he do? He falls to his knees and says, Master, thank you. I will serve you for the rest of my life. That's the right response to the cross. Set free, ransomed from sin for a relationship, serving our Heavenly Father, our Master. How do we respond? Master, thank you. I will serve you for the rest of my life. Let's pray together. Lord, your word says, who the sun sets free is free indeed. We thank you that you have ransomed us, redeemed us from sin, from slavery, from bondage, and brought us into your kingdom. Lord, we pray that you would help us to live for you as our master, to serve you out of deep thankfulness and joy. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.